So black professionals make up 5% of the overall tech workforce, and it's just a 1% increase over the past seven years. Fascinating. And then financial commitments pledged by these tech companies accounted for 0.3% of 2021 revenue. And lastly, this one is fascinating. Tech companies that issued public pledges had an average of 20% fewer black employees than those companies that did not issue commitments, which made me think about, oh, are companies that are issuing commitments and donating money, just like throwing money at the problem, but then on the back end, like not doing what they said they were gonna do? I thought that was the most fascinating one. Mi gente, dímelo, dímelo. What up? Welcome to another episode of the Quien Duets podcast brought to you by Plural. You already know it's your boy Pavel bringing you another special episode. This week on the podcast, I'm sharing a live that me and the homie Odalis did on LinkedIn. Odalis has her own podcast called Hella Latina, which I highly recommend. Both her podcast and my podcast are all about sharing other people's stories and experiences. So we collaborate once a month on LinkedIn for a live series called Unfiltered. And unlike our podcast, where we share other people's experiences, on this monthly live series, we share our own experiences. So we start off with how our life is going, we jump into current events, and then we jump into a topic of the month. The clip that you heard in the intro is talking about that very topic, which we'll get into on this episode. One thing to keep in mind as you listen to the episode, you'll likely hear us call out different names. Those are that are commenting live and sharing thoughts, ideas, and opinions throughout the conversation. We acknowledge those comments, and sometimes they even become topics of the conversation. If you want to attend the next monthly series, be sure to add Odalis and myself on LinkedIn. I'll leave the links in the show notes so that you can find us. It's the last Friday of every month. Now that you have a little bit more context into the conversation, let's get into the episode. Oh, oh, oh my God, Pavel. When I first got COVID, I tested positive and I'm like, oh, it can't be as bad as like the first time. Um, and then COVID said bit. And your girl was you just like stuck in bed for like Monday, Tuesday. I was like, I can't move. <laughs> Oof. Well, hope you feel better. Yeah. So happy to be here, though. Um, how are you, Pavel? Checking in on me. Same. How are you? Same. Nah. Um. Yeah, I'm doing really well. I'm actually, I'm actually really excited. I'm actually launching like a new segment to the podcast, which I'm really excited about. It's it's gonna be a live YouTube series every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And the idea is that I don't know if y'all ever applied for a job and saw like these generic ass job descriptions. It'd be like coordinated with cross-functional teams to drive exceptional growth in product areas and it's just like what does that even mean Every so job and also <laughs> right yeah so i'm inviting people from our community that have those jobs that a lot of people want to apply for want to land and we're going to walk through like how they got the job and what what does it take to be successful in that role also as well like i want y'all to think of when you think of engineers i don't want you to think about mark zuckerberg i want you to think of people that look like y'all so I'm highlighting people from our community that are that are that are doing the damn thing um in a in a live career day segment. So yeah, I'm really excited for that. It's gonna it's gonna launch in uh in August, so probably like in two weeks. Oh, that is already signed up, which is exciting. Uh mm -hmm. but yeah, let us let me know if there's any specific like career paths. Cause that's another thing too. Like there's so many career paths that like I don't even know exist still. I'm like, oh, damn, yeah. Odalis, that's your mm -hmm. job? Like, I didn't know you did that. So mm -hmm. yeah, I just want to raise awareness for like so many things that are out there. So 
if, if there are any yeah. specific career paths that y'all have in mind that you think like yo pavel has no idea this exists let me let me put them on hit me up um so that we can feature it yeah can i give Pavel? i'm gonna give you your flowers real quick because i think this is so much bigger than just like you know like you're doing career days i think this is something that it's just so needed in the community because let me tell you, I didn't even know my job was a job either. Like to be to be completely honest, I didn't know project yeah. management was something that was a possibility that could pay well. And I think that you're doing something so big for the community because people need to know what these job descriptions mean. Honestly, when I found out what cross-functional meant, I was like, <laughs> oh, that's what cross-functional means? I'm like, I've been doing that. You know what I mean? Like, I think people, corporate loves to fluff words and like over-corporatize things that I'm like, we do on a daily. So I think yeah. you're doing something really big and spreading that knowledge and awareness to the community. So flowers all given to you because this is big. Thank you. Yeah. And it's crazy too, because I feel like these conversations, just like the ones that we're having sort of like on the podcast, they're typically had in secret right like if you're interested in like a project management role like you hit up your homegirl and be like yo can i schedule like a coffee chat with you like 30 minutes just like one-on-one mm -hmm. -on -one. but like why are we sharing that information with the world like why don't we let everyone know that there's like an events role that like people have no idea about right. so i'm trying to like bring some of these private conversations that we're like we're already having more so just like mm -hmm. to a public forum you know it'd be really interesting not to give you ideas um but for these career days too i think something that i learned in my career that was super surprising is the just different teams that exist within yeah. tech like this is the early career talent team this is the corporate team this is this team this is that team i think that's a really interesting narrative to talk about as well because I had no idea. I'm like, oh, y'all don't just all work together. Like y'all work yeah. in different, you know, teams, departments and business units and this and that. I think that's a really, really interesting thing to, to highlight in those career days. Yeah. Yo, I was talking to my boy at Google, for example, and I'm like, yo, I just met this other person at Google. They're on this, this and that team. They were like, I'm sorry, what? At, at Google? That exists? I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, like even if you work within the company, you don't know that. I got to talk to HR and just be like, yo, can I just get a list of every single team? Like, just just list them like one, two, right. 200. Just list them out. <laughs> you really should, because I had no idea. I'm on the emerging talent team. When I started to tell my homies at LinkedIn that I worked on this team, they were like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, we do X, Y, Z. And they're like, oh, that's part of your team. Like, I had no idea. Like, there's so many damn teams in these corporate systems that I'm like, it's it's just super interesting to know about too, as someone who's first gen trying to navigate that space, like, oh, maybe I don't want to work in emerging talent, or maybe emerging talent is my feature. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's, it's just a really, really interesting thing that you should yeah. educate the community on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and last thing, which is like really funny, like if you scroll on TikTok or Instagram, and we're all guilty of it, right? It's kind of like, hey, follow me in a day in the life of X position. It's just the highlights, though. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to show you oh, the yeah. parties that we go to. We're going to show you the free lunch. But, like, there's, like, things that we think are boring as far as, like, look at this spreadsheet I'm working on. That may be boring to us, but there's people out there that are like, oh, finally, I understand what it means to do that. Or when people right. be like, oh, I, w I go to a bunch of meetings. They're like, what, what, what do y'all talk about in the meetings? You know what I mean? That like mm -hmm. may seem so boring and mundane to us because we do it every day. But then to somebody else, they're like, finally, that's what that meant. 
Right. Yeah. There's so much. Again, Babel, take all them flowers, take all of them, do a little base because this is huge. This is a really, really big thing. And it, I think to me what it triggers is this thought of like, that's generational knowledge that we can continue to pass down to other people in our in our community. And I'll tell you this quick story before we get into the topic, but I, I do a lot of work with um, our Beyond San Jose State, my alma mater, um, their Beyond Sports program. So it's all student athletes that are thinking about their career beyond sports, which is really hard for an athlete, right? Because their whole That's life is dope. sports. But it's a program that literally educates them on like, these are the different career paths you can take if you don't make it to the NFL, if you don't make it to the NBA, right? Super dope. And a lot of those students that I work with, I adore them because they all remind me of my brothers. But I think for me, it's interesting to hear them think of their value only on the football field or on the soccer field or on the basketball court. And the more I talk to them and I'm like, well, what do you do in your in your position? Right. Like, what do you do? And I remember one uh, one athlete was like, well, you know, I'm really trying to like look out for everyone on my team. So I have to memorize not only my play, I have to memorize what they're doing in their plays. And like, I have to do this and that, and like has to know where everyone is at all times. And I'm like, yo, that sounds like project management. That's what I do. You know what I mean? And we had a whole conversation about that. And he was like, really? Like I can do that too. And I'm like, yes. And like, you have to strategize. You have to know what everyone is doing. Everyone's in different places, but you have to know exactly where they're at and how to show up for them. Right. And we just had this really dope conversation and Babel, his eyes were like, what? Like, I didn't even know that was an option, right? And I think it's just, and even to say, I mean, not not to say every corporate can offer six figures, but I think at some point in your career, tech can get you there faster. And I talked to him about that. And again, his mind, he's a Latino football player. Mm -hmm. He didn't Mm -hmm. come from a lot. So he's just like, he was blown away at every word I was saying. And I say this because... I think it just starts with the knowledge piece and we can really change the game for not just our community, for people that don't come from that knowledge, that don't come from that type of families who are first gen trying to just navigate these systems. And I just, again, more flowers to you, but I think it's a really dope generational knowledge that we're starting to to trigger. That's such a dope experience. I, I got to hear about that mm-hmm. like on a Maybe I'll call you on the side and hear about that. But that that's really cool. Yeah. And by the way, we're looking at everyone's comments. I see the Web3 educator. Um, I, I love that project management. Victor, I mm. love how you transitioned from government to advertising. Yeah. And you were just like, I had no idea I could be a strategist. That's what I'm saying, right? Like mm. you get exposed to a whole new industry and you're like, oh, shit, these yeah. skills transfer. Noel, you already know. What's up? Hello, me. Um, what's up, strategy- Noel? Yeah, strategy <laughs> and ops is a, is a whole world too. Hundred percent agree. Um, tech world is huge. We're always thinking about like three to five years plans ahead. Yeah, um, yeah. Look at these. these just, I don't even know about some of these roles. Right. Nope. Look at that. Lo- <laughs> love that. Love that. Um, but that that's the intro for today. We got two things essentially that we were gonna planning that we were planning on talking about today. We got like a current events segment, which we'll talk about um, a little bit and chat about some of the things that are happening in the world that we thought we were really interesting. And then the the sort of main piece where we're going to talk about is decision making and how we mm-hmm. navigate the world and, and even think about making decisions, whether it's for um, us or our families as well. Yep, you want to yep. get, get, get into the current events? 
I do. I want to start with, first of all, though, the state of the pledge. So educate us on what the state of the pledge 2021 is. And I want to dive deep into that. <laughs> yes, let's do that. And give me one second. I'm going to get my iPad. Oh, go for it. What's up, y'all? Y'all are making my day already because I was I woke up just like, okay, headaches coming in, but I'm excited for unfiltered. And now my energy is just like on 10. <laughs> Yo, yeah, me too. My energy is is up there as well. All right. So remember y'all when everything was going on with the murder of George, George Floyd and the aftermath of what that was, the protests, the promises from corporations that they were essentially like, yo, we need to change. Rightfully so, right? So everybody was making promises. Some of them were performative. Some of them were real. But like people are just like throwing money at the problem, essentially. Right. Y'all remember that? OK, well, have you ever wondered, like, who's keeping track of that? Like, are they keeping their promises? Like, was there even a change? And there's there's a report that actually keeps track that essentially kept track and made a summary of all of that. Looking back at like all the promises that were made and then looking at the state of where things are today, from the lens of the black population, although there are um, there are certain references of, of other groups as well. So it's a it's a 37 page report. And I'm telling you, y'all, it is pure gold. I highly encourage you all to read it. Um, just look up State of the Pledge 2021. Um, and there were about 217 companies analyzed um, and they just pull out a bunch of stats on things that they promised and like where we are today, but it's, it's a fascinating report. Have you, uh, have you checked it out? Alice? I have. And it's, I'm curious to know what you think. I'm being quiet for a reason. I'm like, what's Fabed thinking in his head about this state of the pledge? Cause I think when he first told me about this, I was like, wait, 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 someone actually kept track of all of it. I think it's such a dope way to hold these companies accountable because I think what's starting to happen now, and Fabian, I'd love to know what you think from your lens, but I start to see, or I'm starting to see a lot of LinkedIn posts about this concept of diversity hire, which I think has is not new and it's been around, but I think people are starting to like go against this like narrative that like, we're gonna hire you because you're black, Latino, and you know, you're a diversity number. And, I think it's just such an interesting thing. And I recently had a conversation with the VP of Divs at LinkedIn. We did a speaker series with her. And one of the questions I asked her is, okay, we're doing well on our diversity numbers, right? Whatever that means. And how are we showing up for those communities when they're actually here? Are we giving them the tools, the resources, the opportunities to have the same career growth in, in relation to their white colleagues, right? Like, are they having those same opportunities, those same pathways? Um, and it's just a really interesting, it's just really interesting to see this report and and just see these companies that are really not making a lot of moves. It was just all hearsay. Yeah, it's actually really interesting. I've, I have, and part of this whole like career series thing is just like getting different people's perspectives and having them having them share their stories around like what it's like to be that specific role in these companies. And I'm actually going to be including some recruiters and they have heard from their 
colleagues like, oh, implement the Rooney rule. And I don't know how much I know about the Rooney rule, but it's like it's this rule that was implemented in um, football, essentially saying that if if we have an opening for a head coach, we have to include at least one black head coach candidate in the interview process. Right. And the idea is like, well, we're forcing the a candidate. We're forcing diverse candidates into this process. And the idea is like, at least we're giving someone an opportunity. Right. But what ends up happening a lot of times is that they add a, a black candidate, a Latino candidate into that specific into that specific role. And they do it just as a formality, not necessarily giving them an opportunity like a uh, uh, actual opportunity to get the role. They're kind of just, they're like, oh, let's throw a black person in there just to say we did it. You know what I mean? Hmm. And that's been happening a lot. There's even a a story. His name is, uh, I think, Rich Richie Flores or Richard Flores. He was a coach that was in the Miami Dolphins. And he actually said that they did that to him. I think the New York Giants in, in another organization. And he ended up suing the the NFL and the organization for like these like racist practices, essentially. Oh my goodness. I had a conversation recently and I want to bring it up. I won't disclose anything about this conversation, where it was and who it was with, but essentially they said, um, well, isn't it good that they're doing those rules, right? The Rooney rule, the diversity hire, isn't it good that they're hiring people because they're black and Latino because she's like, well, isn't that what they were doing to white people all the time? Like they would just say, oh, you're white. So I want to hire you. Oh, you're white. I want to like interview you and you're black and Latino. I don't want to interview you. And when she said that to me, I was kind of like, um, what? <laughs> and I see what she was trying to say, but she wasn't saying it in the way that I agreed with, to be honest. Um, and I just, I'm just curious that like conversation still I've been thinking about here and there of like, I wonder what she like, I wonder if that's how about it. Like it was a white woman who I was speaking to. And she's curious. Like, what do you think about that? Isn't that like a weird? I don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. <laughs> well, I like the idea of looking at the candidate the number of candidates that we have available and you looking at it and being like, oh shit, we don't have we only have white people here. Let's diversify the mix of candidates before we move forward. But mm -hmm. I think it's wild that you even have to make a rule to force people to think about it. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. oh, let's add a black person here. Let's add a Latina. Let's add a woman. Like, I would hope in 2022, you would just realize that in general, you wouldn't have to necessarily have a rule. But I, I also get the need to force people to do those certain things. I just wish that if you were including a diverse candidate, you weren't just doing it to check a box and you were doing it more so. Like, I would hope that you include that diverse candidate because of the skills and their competence. And they just happen to be black, right. not including right. them because they're black. You know what I mean? Like them being black should be like a secondary. They shouldn't be the primary reason why you're including them in the mix. It should be. Right. Uh, it should be like an added benefit that they're able to add a diverse perspective. It shouldn't be the reason why you add them in there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, you know, just to add a little more context to that, I feel like 
something that I've seen, and I'm curious if there's numbers on this and what the demographics are, but I think it starts with the people who are the hiring managers, who are the recruiters. I mean, do we have enough representation in those places? Because it's really, it's really hard to like hire someone that you just can't relate with in your community. You know what I mean? Like, of course, they're going to have that bias in their head if it's for example, if it's a white woman who's a recruiter and she's only bringing in these white candidates, it's it's just like a bias, right? Like you just don't know what you don't know. And like your, your comment of like, you know, it's 2022, like we should know by now, like mm-hmm. kind of just have to, you know, get everyone in here that has that skill and competency. And there's a problem if you see that they all look the same, come from the same places. But I think too, do we have, do we have that representation in that recruiter or hiring manager space mm. in general? Because they just don't see what they don't see because they don't realize there's anything wrong. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting? I think like, well, and, and I want to share some stats with y'all because it's because in these, I read all the 37 pages and I took out some stats so y'all don't have to read all 37 pages. But some of these stats are just like, whoa, crazy. But you know, you know what's interesting too is that I think often we put so much responsibility on recruiters to create this magical place for us, but we have way more power than we think in, in, in creating these environments. I'm going to give you a great example. My man, Dominic, who works at Meta right now, he saw that there's very low representation for people that look like him, right? And he saw that, oh shit, people that are getting hired are often referred, right? But how often you get somebody reaches out to you and you're like, yo, can you submit a referral for me? And you're and you know, I've been there, too. I'm like, oh, another one. Like, yo, I'm busy. We're all busy. Do I really want to set aside time to do this? Right. But we have the power. To like refer as many people as he want. Yo, when I tell you this man took it upon himself to share his referral to everybody on LinkedIn. He was like, yo, send me a resume. I'll refer anybody. Just like send it to me. How often do people do that? And like, obviously he was looking out for his people, right? So he wanted to, he was like, yo, I want to increase the number of black and Latino representation at this company. Send me your thing and I'll refer you. He referred like hundreds of people, but how many people are going to dedicate like a whole Friday to doing that? You know what I mean? And like, these are people that he didn't even know. He just posted it on LinkedIn. And like random people. And now if you follow him, he actually posts screenshots of people getting the job and messaging him. He was like, yo, you changed my life. You know, like that. How many people are going to do that? I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Let's keep it real. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to your homie because that's so dope. That's real dope. And so let me Oh, go for it. I was going to tell you, I recently had a conversation with someone too. Um, this is actually like a few weeks ago. Um, I, I won't disclose the name or where she works, but she said that she referred so many people to the company and she's only been able to get one hire. And this is after like years of working there. I don't know how long, but it's been over a decade. And she shared with me like, She's like, but I go in there and I see these frat bros that all know each other, all come from the same fraternity and they're all working at the company. And she's like, and why have my referrals not even gotten a job interview at this company? 
And I think it's really interesting. And I love these these two stories because shout out to your homie. I think that's just the power of networking. And I, I, I've been a LinkedIn fan before I started working here. So I'm not just drinking the Kool-Aid, but I love the power <laughs> of LinkedIn too. Just the algorithm compared to a lot of these other uh, social media platforms is just slept on in my opinion. But yeah. I think too, there's this other side of people who are trying to be those referrals, those change makers, but can't seem to like get through, you know, to the system. So I wonder if there's like an idea for your homie, but I wonder if there's a way for us to continue referring people in the best way possible. Maybe maybe there's best practices, keywords we need to use. Like how do we start to create that pathway or that like referral system where people can get at least one interview? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. My, my homie at Google does the same thing. He gets a lot of he gets really frustrated because he he's referred to so many people and some some of them has haven't even gotten a call for an interview. So it is really frustrating. Yeah. Dora, what's up? A lot of people here. Um, all right. So <laughs> what's interesting is that so these are some stats that I pulled from again. This is this 2022 state of the pledge by the plug. They looked at all the performative promises that were made after the the, the murder of George Floyd from all these companies and, and they did a whole 37 page report of pure gold but these are some stats that i that i pulled that was like fascinating and again they couldn't look at they didn't look at every single company but they did look at 217 different ones so what's interesting is that 27 percent of these 217 companies provided at least one diversity report between 2019 and 2021 if you're all not familiar with the diversity report it's essentially a lot of big tech companies, they look at their employee base and they publish a diversity report to say, these are the number of men, women, these are the demographics that we have as far as African-American, Latino, Latina, Latinx, um, Asian, et cetera. Um, they'll even break it down by um, types of roles. So they keep those demographics and say like technical versus non-technical roles. They'll say whether they're in a leadership position or individual contributor, but only 27%, so like a very small percentage of companies even publish these reports. Like right now, there's no law or policy across the board that like mandates these companies to post it. So in many ways, like we don't even know how diverse most companies even are, which is like really interesting. I didn't know that not everyone posts that. And I understand why, like they're probably scared to share that data and say like, oh shit, we're not as diverse as we talk about, <laughs> you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. that one was really interesting. Um, and I'll just read off a couple more and we can talk about it. But so black professionals make up 5% of the overall tech workforce. And it's just a 1% increase over the past seven years. Fascinating. And then financial commitments pledged by these tech companies accounted for 0.3% of 2021 revenue. And lastly, this one is fascinating. Tech companies that issued public pledges had an average of 20% fewer black employees than those companies that did not issue commitments, which made me think about, oh, are companies that are issuing commitments and donating money, just like throwing money at the problem, but then on the back end, like not doing what they said they were going to do? I thought that was the most fascinating one. 20% fewer black employees than those that did not issue public commitments. Sheesh. Yeah. Um, and as well, like a lot of these quotes are about the black population. But if you look at any of these diversity reports, they're typically right aligned with um, mm -hmm. Latino population as well. Like the 5% of overall tech workforce being black is typically the case for 
for um, Latino, Latina, Latinx, Hispanic communities as well. Yeah, shout out to Fayol for those numbers because, and really, y'all look at the diversity report or the state of the pledge report because I think it just, those numbers tell really unfortunate but like powerful stories about yeah. the work that needs to be done in these spaces. Yeah, and I'm curious for those that are watching, like, does your company provide a diversity report? Like, do y'all even know how diverse your companies are? Um, I know that it's something that's really popularized in like large tech companies, but I know it's not something that every job necessarily has. So I, I'd be curious. Did you, Babel, look at the Meta diversity report a lot when you were working there or TikTok? Did you ever, is that something that you were like about when you were at Meta or TikTok? Like, well, I'm going to look at their diversity report. Or is that something that was kind of like later in your career? So TikTok didn't do one when I was there. And they still don't do one. Uh, I don't know how, I don't know when or if they will ever do one just because of they're a Chinese-owned company. And I don't know if that's like, I don't know, part of their priorities. I have no idea. But when I was at Meta, I did look at it pretty often. But that said, like, I don't need to look at it. I could just look around. I know I know what the numbers were going to be. <laughs> but I, I, did, yeah. I did look at it, though. I, I did. I did look at it. Um, yeah. Yeah. You, you know, what's, you know, what's funny um, as part of that career day segment that I was talking about, I actually reached out to a couple of friends at TikTok and they were like, yo, the PR team, they, they don't want us to do it because of you, because the way you left TikTok. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, oh my God. How does, OK, well, how does that feel for you? <laughs> how does that feel? I want to unpack this a little more. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, wait, let me. Uh, so in the commercial real estate industry, there's only 2% African Americans. I'm not sure the stats oh. on Latino community. Interesting. Wait, Jason says, Oh, Amazon my man reported... works in commercial. Oh, there you go. He's he's part of that yeah. 2%. Maybe? And he's he's he is part of that 2%. He's black and Latino, and he's only met in the Bay Area specifically, he's only ever met one other black realtor, but he's not even in Bay Area. I think the black realtor is in like think Oakland or LA, like somewhere outside of the Bay Area. Yeah, he doesn't see. And trust me, I've been to his company parties and I see no diversity. <laughs> yeah. It's oh, like everyone and then there's my man's walking around. <laughs> and then there's my man. <laughs> he doesn't even get lost. So you can point him out like so easily. No, he's just like, oh, it's just Alex, the, the Woriqua <laughs> guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Amazon reported 28% black and 23% latino employees in 2021 oh, wow. but this is the interesting part in about most of the diversity reports is that they break it out by like job function is that like all warehouse for example is that like on the corporate side because that's a big difference as well because that dictates like the big pay difference or, like how much we're paid to hmm. um, i mean i know on for linkedin for the 2021 diversity report and i know this because i just had this conversation but i think the tech specific workforce only one point, I'm looking at the numbers right now, 1.8, 3.4 of the overall tech workforce is Latino for LinkedIn, mm -hmm. and then 1.8 is Black. So, I mean, it's wow. it's low. Tech, tech specifically, tech functions, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I go in there, and I see all my Latinos, they're walking around cleaning, and they're cooking, and I'm oh. like, hola, Luis, como estas? <laughs> <laughs> and it's so... And it's so funny because I think, who was I? I was talking to somebody. Um, I think it was on my podcast or you. I, can, I can't tell these days. But I had a conversation around 
that's sometimes my comfort zone as I go into the office mm. and the first people I want to talk to are the cleaners, the cooks, the people that I can speak Spanish with. I feel like familia. And it's just, um, and, and I'm lucky that LinkedIn does have that Latino representation and I'm able to find my Latinos here and there. And, you know, mm. we find each other, we just like gravitate toward each other. But I think too, it's, um, it's sometimes a comfort zone and I'm learning how to speak to other people that maybe aren't in my community in those, mm. in those ways too. And like network and build relationships with them. It's a little harder. Yeah. But. <laughs> it's a little harder, but it's necessary to advance. Priscilla, like, yeah, I'm part of that 23%. What's up? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> That's dope. All right. Uh, so we checked in on current events. Anything else you want to check in? Anything else you want to discuss about current events before we get into like our segment on decision-making? Now let's get into it. Let's get into it. All right. So there's so much we could talk about when it comes to decision making. I mean, it sounds corny, but like we make decisions every day, like hundreds of times. You know what I mean? Um, and sometimes I feel like we're making decisions for us. Or sometimes we feel the need to make decisions on behalf of other people, whether it be loved ones and family and all of those kind of things. I'm sure you're probably like in a different place when it comes to making some of those decisions based on like all the work that you've done. And I'm sure therapy has been like a big help with that. Talk to me about like how therapy's helped you in, in your process and how you think about making decisions on a day to day basis. Before Odalis answers that question, let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsor. COVID-19 moves fast, and now you can too. If you feel symptoms, even if they're mild, you should test fast. Test positive and at high risk for severe COVID-19? Then act fast with authorized oral treatments that can be taken at home and must be taken within five days from when symptoms begin. COVID-19 moves fast, and now you can too by asking your healthcare provider if an oral treatment is right for you. Learn about a treatment option at TreatCV19.com. This message is sponsored by Pfizer. Oh my God, it's helped me so much. I think what it's helped me uncover is when I'm making decisions for myself or I'm making decisions that I think my parents would want me to make because they made all these sacrifices for me to be here. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm constantly battling those two. And sometimes they're the same. Sometimes they're aligned and I'm like, well, that's what I want too, you know? Um, but I think for a long time, I'm the youngest of seven. I was never really, I'm the youngest Latina in a big family of like mostly guys. And I feel like I always had decisions made for me, you know? Like it was like, you don't have an option of where you want to go eat. You just, we're going to go eat here. Or you don't have an option of what we're going to do today. We're just going to do this. I felt like that just came with being the youngest one in the room. Like you just kind of like flowed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and so I feel like the first time I ever made a decision was to apply for college and leave, leave home for college. And wow. I think for a long time, I didn't know the difference between what I wanted and what was expected of me. And therapy has helped me differentiate the two and just made me really clear on what it is I want. And I'm not saying that it's easy every single time making a decision. I'm like, oh, that's what I want. Like 100%. Like yeah. there's still a thought process that comes with it. But therapy has helped me differentiate those two. But you do therapy too. How has it helped you in your decision making? <laughs> it's interesting because you and, you and I were talking about this the other day about not love languages, but there are attachment styles. 
in mm-hmm. life. Yo, if y'all, yo, for those that are listening, y'all gotta do the attachment style quiz. It is so yes. informative. And you think it's just for like romantic relationships, but the more that I looked into it, and this is what therapy's help is like forced me to do. It's forced me to just be more self-reflective on like who I am as a person and going into like why I make certain decisions that I make. And I think we're the same, a little bit of the same in this part of like taking that quiz and even going to therapy has helped me realize like how hyper independent I am. And Mm -hmm. I think like everybody's a little independent, but like I am hyper independent and it's not like, oh, I don't need anybody, blah, blah. Like we all need people to like add to our happiness and all that kind of stuff. But like I get my fulfillment from getting individual accomplishments. Like, I need to check the box and say, like, I did something. I created something. I succeeded in some way for myself. Mm-hmm. Fuck everybody else. Like, <laughs> that dry, that brings me a lot of joy. And I think realizing that early on and realizing that I need to do that often and, like, knowing that that makes me happy helps me make decisions moving forward the the challenge in making some of those decisions though is like letting everyone else know so that they don't get offended and i've had this in like mm-hmm. romantic relationships i have i've had this in at work as well but sometimes i need to be like alone and driving that individual accomplishment and then i'll come back to like society but i, I made a post on this on mm-hmm. on um on LinkedIn as well. But like when I remember when I was in corporate at Facebook, like I got in trouble because like I never worked at my desk, for example, but I had to make that decision to be like, I need to work alone in order to be productive, to feel successful. And then I'll come back to y'all. But people will call me like, he's unfriendly. He's not a team player. He's this, this and that. And I would get like certain labels when it wasn't the case. But I like, I always knew that about myself, but communicating that to others was, was, was difficult for me. Oh, well, I didn't know you had that quote unquote reputation. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was weird as hell. Cause cause meta too, like working for a social media company, it's like social, right? So it was very common to like add each other on Instagram, on Facebook to to keep up with each other. Mm-hmm. And like I would be in one-on-one meetings with my manager and he would tell me, like you and your you and y'all you, like your team, y'all, y'all, y'all don't seem like y'all friends. Like, do y'all hang out after work? I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> like, do I need to hang out with them after work? Like he was trying to push me to <laughs> to be like best friends with my team. It was You're really like, weird. do they want to go get hookah and then yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they'll be like now nah, we want charcuterie board and brunch <laughs> <laughs> yo there was a point where like i almost got an equinox subscription just to go to the gym with them and i was like yo no I, way I'm not, I'm not doing this i almost did it yeah, yeah no one should be paying that equinox membership it's nice in there but that's a crazy <laughs> okay victor it sounds like i'm not the only one that needs their time alone to to be productive and make things happen hmm Mm-mm-mm. I think, I think another interesting. Um... Oh, go for it. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Fabian. Now, well, what I was going to say is that I think another interesting thing in, in decision making is like, yeah, you you know what you'd like to do in order to make yourself happy. But I think a really big thing is like, how do you say no to people? Like, how did you figure out how to say no to people? Hmm. This is the one I'm still learning. <laughs> I'm like, damn, calling myself out right now. Um, but I think this is something I'm still learning is how to say no and how to 
be okay with the no. I think, you know, I think this stems from just like, you always wanting to, I don't know, the women in my family like always made things happen. Like they never said no to anything. They were like, oh, quieres pastel, quieres, quieres tamales, like bien, te lo hago. And I grew up thinking like, you just, you just, you never, you never say no to people, you know, like you just get shit done, you work hard, you, yeah, another project on my plate, like, let's get it. You know what I mean? Like, I think it was always just like continuously work, like work, work, work. And I'm still learning how to say no in the workplace, in life. Um, And I'm getting better at it. I'm not like, you know, I'm not great at it. But, you know, if my friend is like, yo, let's get brunch today or let's get dinner, let's go out, let's get drinks. I'm like, honestly, like a girl's real tired and I don't really feel like it. Like sometimes I'm and I've been proud of myself whenever I do that, because I think about how hard it used to be for me to say no to just like people like my homies. Mm -hmm. Sometimes with my partner, I'm like, you know, I really don't want to hang out right now. I just kind of want alone time. And that being respected in the relationship too is super dope. And because I'm the same way, I need that alone time for me to re-energize. And I think we both got that in our attachment style. Like we have that <laughs> independence side. <laughs> so yeah. funny. Um, but I think just I'm I'm starting to like ask for what I want in a way that honors me and honors them. And I recently saw that Brene Brown segment on HBO Max and she said something or one of her guests said something that stuck with me and it said boundary is the line in which I can love both me and you simultaneously and that stuck with me because it's so real because when I say no I'm saying yes to myself I'm saying yes to just like Mm. chilling on you know do some meditation I'm saying yes to just chilling on my bed and like scrolling on my phone without guilt or reading a book that I haven't read for a minute you know what I mean like when I say no I'm saying yes to a lot of other things and I think if it's the homie, if it's a partner, if it's someone that truly vibes with you and rocks with you, I think they're going to respect that boundary. But I'm getting better at it. I'm not great. I think family and boundaries doesn't exist for me. I'm still learning that. <laughs> I was that's, just, a that's a different story. <laughs> I was just going to ask that. I'm like, all right, but like, who are you not comfortable with yet? <laughs> Say no, no my family. Is it mom? Is it mom? You're not comfortable it's, with it's mom, mom and dad. I it's mom and dad. I cannot. I can't say no to them. I just can't. And I, I don't know how to navigate that. Like I just feel there's there's guilt there at the end of the day. And that's something my therapist called me out on recently. Is that I have a lot of guilt, and with that guilt, it just spills over into a lot of different places. And I think when my mom is like, "Mija, necesito esto y el otro." I will just make any, I will just make it happen because I'm just like, okay, mom, the one who was a single mom for years and did everything possible to like feed us and say yes to anything we needed. Like, yes, I'll do anything for you. (laughs) Yeah. It's a hard one. That's funny. I saw another post. I didn't see the Brene Brown thing, but I saw another post on Instagram. I think it was or TikTok, And they said, no is a complete sentence. I was like, that that's so true because I feel like often, at least for me, I can say no, but I feel often the pressure to have an explanation attached to it. Oh my! Wow, you're saying that? That's hard because I always thought guys were so good at just saying no. Like they were like, nah. I that's <laughs> right. that was my that was my bias because I'm like, you know, even in emails, like 
oh, I can't get to this because I have, blah, blah, blah. like I'm always explaining why I can't do something or why I can't go to the meeting. And I feel like the guys on my team are just like, can't make it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm like, damn it. Like, why can't, why do I over explain myself every single time? So that's interesting that you're saying that. Cause I thought, I thought guys had it down. Guess not. <laughs> that's interesting. I, I thought I was the one that was like left out talking about like, I always need an excuse. I didn't know. God damn. I need to. Yeah, I, got, I, don't, I don't know. This is just this is just what I've seen. <laughs> I wish I could do that. It's yeah, I like that's one of the things I'm working on. Like I think, well, I think I've been in situations where I've been so accommodating for so long, where mm. now like the pendulum has swung. I think maybe in sometimes like too far to my side because I feel like I am so selfish. I'm talking about work relation everything like i'm so like mm -hmm. nah i'm all right i'm just i'm gonna just do this you know what i mean like i'm gonna just do what i want to do where like i don't think i'm accommodating enough and mm. like that that thing that you said around like the boundary being the perfect place between like making you happy and others like i i struggle with that the idea of there can be both. Yeah. I've, I've I've been thinking a lot about like, where am I comfortable saying no to, or like, who am I comfortable with? And I think I'm, I think I might be too comfortable saying no to just about everybody, even my mom. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> wow. But are you comfortable doing that in the workplace? Like, yeah. I, mean, I know you're an entrepreneur now, but I, did you ever have trouble with that or no? Yo, you know what's the most difficult thing for me to say no to nowadays? So it's it's my hourly rate for speaking engagements. So I have a rate and mm. I share it with people sometimes. And then they come back to me and say, like, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, you know what's hilarious? Well, yeah, they say, I'm sorry. Like, this is what we can do. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. honoring that fact of, like, do I say yes or do I say no? To an opportunity because it's too low mm. you know what i mean mm. yeah but there <laughs> yeah when i was first starting out when i first quit my job um i set my rate and they were like oh sorry we can't do that um and then like all right so i said like four thousand was like my hourly rate they said like sorry all i could do all i could do is two and i'd be like oh i get it you probably got some budget constraints how about you do this this and that and then you know ask for more budget then i'll come back to you um and they came back and were like Oh, sorry, we can't do that. Maybe next year. I was like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. No, I'll do it for two. I'll do it for two. Like, I was just so desperate. <laughs> you know what I mean? But now yeah. I'm in a better place where I feel like I don't have to be as desperate so I can operate in a little bit of space of, like, comfort. And I can just actually start saying no to opportunities that are, like, way below what I offer as a rate. Yeah, yeah. And honoring that, right? That's so, oh, that's a whole other discussion about just that entrepreneurial like premium price versus like you know a walmart price <laughs> you know what i mean oh, i think it's a very I, I didn't know how to i didn't know the word for it but i think it's a it's just the entrepreneurial decisions that we make is is really hard and one of the things that i remember talking to you about is how much do you charge because that's not something i mean i can't just go and ask my mom like you know, how much do like speakers charge for XYZ? And I just started hitting up a bunch of people I knew that were doing speaking engagements. And I'm like, how much do you charge? How much do you charge? And now being internal and hiring speakers, 
it's across the gamut. I mean, I see a lot of different speakers charge a lot of different things. And I just that entrepreneurial side of things and decisions that we make as entrepreneurs is could be a whole other unfiltered. <laughs> yeah, I just started raising my prices and it took a lot for me to be like, yes, this is what I charge now. But it, it's a it's an interesting gamble, not gamble, but it's an interesting process around like when you decide to take something below your rate and like just just the, just a the thought process around it um yeah it's it's interesting and, and it's something that, I, that i'm still working through like so this day yeah yeah uh, i i want to talk about um the decision of and i know we talk about it a lot but i think the decisions that we make in our careers and i want to talk about just my experience of working for a lot of nonprofits, a lot of small businesses um, throughout my whole career. Oh, hey, Debbie. What's up, girl? Um, Debbie, Debbie I, Cakes in the building. Debbie Cakes. <laughs> <laughs> I know she's like smiling right now. Um, but I I think it's interesting, the, the decisions that we make. And, and this is talking specifically from that first generation narrative of we need money and we don't have a safety net. At least that was my decision. I, I need to make money. I don't have my parents to lean on. Um, I know they will do anything in their power to try to help me in anything in any ways. But I think for me, a really interesting um, decision that I made in my career was to leave a small business where I had full-time benefits, full-time everything. And I decided to leave it because I wanted to break into tech. And the way I'm doing that is through a contract role, which doesn't have benefits and doesn't have all those other things, right? But it does need more money. And I think it's a, when I first told my parents I did that, they were like, wait, so you left a, a job with benefits for a job that doesn't have any benefits? And like, what? <laughs> And it was a really interesting like conversation to have with people that just don't get it. I'm like, no, this yeah. tech has opportunities. Tech has like, you know, it can set me higher in my career. And I think that's just a, one of the most interesting decisions I made in my career. I don't regret, I don't regret any of it at all. I'm so happy I did it, but I think it's a interesting decision that we, I think just need to talk about a little bit more about the, that breaking into tech story because that those contract roles and I know Debbie Cakes has her own stories about contract roles too and she's helped me navigate this whole world so thank you girl but I think it's um it's a really interesting decision that I still feel I want to talk a little bit more about with people who are making probably the same decision. I I just did a podcast today. It's called I think How to Talk to Mommy and Papi about anything, and one of the things. I was talking about was kind of like how our parents advice has I said an expiration date I think although it's well-intentioned like a lot of their advice is so outdated just because they've never been in the roles that we've been in so like mm -hmm. is Maya Willa's advice about her working in a factory should I apply that to me working at Meta no <laughs> you know what I mean like it's so right. nice thank you Abuela I really appreciate it but like <laughs> It, that shit don't rock like oh, that. Oh, they're anymore, so cute you know? though. They're so cute though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they yeah, try, yeah. they try. But yeah, just saying anything to them. And I want to talk about Babel, your decision. I know we're at time, almost at time, yeah. but your decision of becoming an entrepreneur. I mean, I saw 
I see what that what that TikTok was paying you and you posted about it. <laughs> and I was like, what a decision to leave that, that all of that and just follow your passion and follow something that you so believe in and that the world really needs, if I'm being honest, like that decision for you, was that hard? Like saying bye to that paycheck? hard yo i there's not a day that goes by where i don't look at linkedin and be like yo i should apply to that job every day mm. i look at a job and i'm just like i need to apply i mean look at all the hiring freezes look at the layoffs look at like even meta and and bite dancing like we're gonna up the expectations on our employees so instead of firing people we're just gonna make it harder for you to the point where like you have to quit like shit is tough out there mm. so and if it's tough out there like there's also companies cutting back on the budget that they i thought were gonna give me you know what i mean so it, it's not mm. easy it's terrifying and even if i did want to go back to corporate would there even be a role for me like i left a cushy job like it's one of the hottest apps in the world i was leading the biggest account at the company globally it's the job that i've always wanted my entire career and i was like this wasn't enough for me you know what I mean? So I think about it really often, but I think I said this last episode, if I didn't leave when I left, a lot of the blessings that has that have happened to me so far wouldn't have happened. I've, I'll probably do like 30 speaking engagements this year with some really dope companies that y'all all work at right now. And I wouldn't have done that if like I haven't quit my job, but yeah. So is it worth it? I mean, I think so, so far, but we'll see, we'll see in the future, you know? <laughs> Mi gente, that wraps up this week's episode of the Kim Duetas podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor, leave us a rating and a review. It just helps us in the algorithm to ensure that these stories get heard by as many people as possible. Scaling these stories and experiences is the only way that we're going to redefine professionalism. Thank you. I see you next week.